W-H-H-H-F-M Indianapolis. It's Indie Speaks. Your Life Matters. Hosted by Cameron Riddle. 7 o'clock, good morning, Indianapolis. I'm Cameron Riddle, and this is Indie Speaks. In the studio with me this morning, Ebony Chappelle from the Indianapolis Recorder and the man who does all things politics, Abdul-Hakim Shabazz, and we'll see him on TV somewhere this morning. We've got them in the studio to recap this crazy week of politics here in the Hoosier State, from Donald Trump to Bernie Sanders to Ted Cruz. We've got it covered. And we'll take a look back at the craziness that has been this week. Well, let's just kick it off right now with uh, Abdul and Ebony, who are in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I am absolutely tired of the politics that was this week. It was fun. It was a good ride. It was real. It was fun, but it wasn't real fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I speak for yourself. How was it on your end? I mean, it was. I mean, this was a little bit more grueling. I mean, mm-hmm. with, without a doubt. Still, the fact that overall, here's Indiana, not only in the national spotlight during a presidential election, which rarely, which is, which is not the norm. Usually, the way these things go, all the national attention that Indiana got, all the you know the spotlight, the, the opportunities for you know the state to be highlighted for all of us in the media business to you know talk to other you know, national, in some cases international media. Now, granted. I'd rather the the tone been a bit more positive. Mm-hmm. Because, Definitely. Yeah, this, was bit, this is a little personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way this stuff was. But, I mean, like I said, are we all happy it's over? To a certain degree, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, the opportunity for Indiana to make a difference and Indiana to be decisive, mm-hmm. you know, in the presidential primary, I mean, that you got to, you know, kind of tip your hat to. Mm-hmm. What about Definitely. you, Evan? Yeah, that was something that I was uh, very excited about. And, um, at the beginning, I don't think if you would have told anybody that this is the way it would have gone, that they would believe you because this isn't the case. Like Abdul said, that Indiana even has, you know, anything significant to do with how this runs um, in the primary election. So that was very interesting. I think another thing that was so exciting to me was after covering voter turnout for the past few runs, it's been extremely poor here in Hoosier State. Mm-hmm. But this time around. It was, you know, record breaking. You had it the, didn't be two thousand eight. No, but about, about, we were two thousand eight was about forty percent. This was thirty seven percent. Okay, right. Yeah, there. but but also keep in mind too, the number of voters tends to go up over time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. as I'm working on actually a column right now about just some of the numbers behind the primary, we, we always have to be careful when we look at the data. Like, hey, we had you know record turnout, but it was a percentage of the voter turnout was actually less. So mm-hmm. six in one mm-hmm. hand, half a dozen in the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you have to look for, you know, you have to definitely decipher what it all, what that all means. But I think it's a good thing. Anytime people are showing up, granted, presidential elections bring people out a whole lot more than anything else because it's exciting and all the hype behind it. But whatever gets people engaged. You know, so be it. And also keep in mind, too, what I thought was interesting about this election, and it kind of goes to what Ebony was talking about, voter turnout. If you look at 2016 primary and 2008, uh, and compare that to the general election of 2014, where voter turnout was about, what, 17%. And everybody and his mother was yelling and screaming, oh, my God, and this horrible voter participation. It was that evil voter ID that kept people away from the polls. We need to expand voting hours. We need to make it easier for people to vote. No. At the end of the day, you need compelling candidates and compelling issues. Mm-hmm. That is what will get people to come out and vote. Mm-hmm. In 2014, you had no gubernatorial race, 
no U.S. Senate race, no presidential race. It was State Auditor, Treasurer, and Secretary of State. I love me some Kelly Mitchell, Connie Lawson, <laughs> Suzanne Crouch to death. But that is not going to get a bunch of people just come out in droves. It's not a sexy thing. Right, like a Donald Trump yeah. versus Ted Cruz or a Hillary Clinton versus Barack Obama. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. if you have compelling candidates, compelling issues, that will always drive the voter turnout. Well, let's talk about the candidates. Uh, I don't. I know you've been around to all of them. I was at Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton. Got to interview Bernie Sanders. That was cool. So when you left Bernie Sanders, did you have any money left in your wallet? Uh, yeah, I had. To, I left before all before they started. Uh, before they started taking all the free stuff. Yes, yes. Got out of Dodge, but uh, you know the Bernie Sanders people—they'll come for you. So you know, you know, you better be careful. Well, that's okay. I'll just be at work. That way they'll never find me. Oh, oh my goodness, Abdul. It is early. You are on fire already. Gosh, you just wake up ready. I, 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 I kept the scotchy waters down to a bare minimum yesterday because I knew this was going to be... It had to be sharp. A special day today. Eh, you know, no big deal. So I which put it in one? A book. That's why they couldn't find anybody. Oh, my goodness. I can't. I, I can't. I can't. Well, at least the carrier people were there, and they have jobs, and they're supporting Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Unlike um, the support that they're getting from Donald Trump, they said they didn't want it. What what of this entire uh, past week or so was most interesting to you? What I I thought was most interesting was the, quote, unquote, the the deal that was made between John Kasich and Ted Cruz. It was announced on that I found out about Sunday night. You know, some Mm -hmm. things are just stupid from the beginning. Well, well, I see the the logic and rationale behind it. And like I said, this kind of gets a little bit in the inside of the weeds of baseball. That if the Kasich people over here and the and the Trump people and the and the Cruz people say, hey, how about take what will secede Indiana to you? You let us do New Mexico and Oregon. Fine. In the old days, you could do that backroom deal and be left alone. Mm-hmm. But now in an era of super PACs, mm-hmm. where candidates cannot communicate with super PACs by law, you have to do something publicly and put something out there so the super PACs stop going after mm-hmm. the other guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't call you up and say, hey, Ebony Super PAC, you know, stop beating up on Cam because we're going to concede the state because that would be illegal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have to do something. Now, was it poorly executed? Yeah, the whole thing fell yeah. apart. And then yeah. I spoke to one of the, the Sanders people, I'm oh, sorry, the Casey people afterwards, and what he put to me, what he said to me, I could not stay on this radio station, otherwise you would lose your license. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and we would all be heavily fined by the FCC. <laughs> what about you, Ebony? Well, um, that was certainly interesting, but I think the fact that um, I didn't expect Sanders to uh, come out on top over Hillary Clinton, and I've never shared, you know, who I support, you know, in mm-hmm. that way. But you know, that was surprising to me. I didn't expect that to be the case. Also, I did not expect for um, both Cruz and Kasich to drop out of the race like back to back. Well, the same. I did not expect that to happen. Well, you know what? I just want to toot my own horn here because I checked some tweets and things that I said before, and I was spot on with this election. I said that Donald Trump was going to win Indiana, and then he would win the um, he would win the nomination. And then I said on the Democratic side, it would be a late battle between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. I said I wasn't sure who was going to win, but it would come um, all. It would just come down to the Northwest Indiana counties. Now, if you know anything about politics, anybody could have made that prediction, but a lot of people didn't. I did. I was right. So. You have, learned, you have learned well from me, young grasshopper. Yes. And it was just the basics. You know, take, I keep, take, my, I keep take, my notes. You know. Take your mm-hmm. victories where you can get them and then beat people over the head with them. Oh, hey. yeah, definitely. Hey, I won. I was right. But I can tell you what. I could not believe, though, that I was delivering the news that Donald Trump is 
at the time, uh, it was, Kasich was still in the race, but Donald Trump is basically your presumptive nominee. He's the only person in the race who can yeah. actually win. Couldn't believe that that's the news that I was about to deliver. If you said, told somebody, this is what's going to happen in uh, May of 2016. Donald Trump is going to have this thing locked up right at the start of the month, and Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are still going to be battling it out. Mm-hmm. It'll latch you out of the room. Yeah, no, that was in, that was insane to me. And I wanted to know, you know, how, how often, like we were talking before we started, I'm asking Abdul, like, is, has this ever happened this way before that, you know, you just have every, you just have yeah. one person left in May. Like, yeah, like I said, usually yeah. Republican primaries are kind of wrapped up by, like, after the first Super Tuesday. That's when you basically cleared out the field. Sometimes Democrats tend to go just a little bit longer, but. For this to go this long, this far, into the distance, I mean, and even, it, it, it is very rare. And even mathematically, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders was over a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, yeah because, mathematically because, speaking. Yeah, yeah, because people forget that this is not about popular votes. This is about delegates and delegate uh-huh. math. And I'm just amazed at how many people who have never followed the process, which not necessarily they'd have a reason in all the inside baseball, whether on the Republican or Democratic side would complain about the rules. Oh, my God. One of these superdelegates. That's not democratic. Of course not. It's a political party. Yeah. <laughs> a political party is not a public it's not a public entity. It's a private function. It's a private organization where they pick the people mm-hmm. who they're going to nominate for president and vice president. And no offense, democracy doesn't matter. They could go in tomorrow, change all the rules and say we want this guy and this guy. And there's really nothing you can do about it but go start your own damn party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is not a bad idea if you really, you know, if the spirit hits hey, you. Hey, third parties are actually getting a lot more steam these days than people think. Well, yeah, now, people want something different. Well, so, now yeah. there's a rumor that Mitt Romney may be thinking about running for a third party against Donald Trump for this uh, the presidency this summer. So we will see how that goes. But I, I'm wondering if we have now seen the end of this two-party system or have we... I think we may have seen the end of the Republican Party as we know it. Something has got to change. You know, you have to tear things down to build them up again correctly. So I think it's just one of those things. If that's the case, that, you know, him being the presumptive nominee means the end for them, then, you know, hey, so be it. Start all over again. Well, you also got to remember, too, Democrats went through this back in 1988 after a third presidential loss Mm -hmm. uh, when George Herbert Walker Bush beat Mike Dukakis. They were just sort of, oh my God, what are we doing wrong here? Mm-hmm. You know, here we had a, you know, a guy who was a governor, a proven track record, and he should be able to beat George Herbert Walker Bush. So they had to go back and do some soul searching and figure out what they were doing. And then four years later, uh, you end up getting Bill Clinton. So I always tell people, you, you know, a day in politics is a lifetime, mm-hmm. and eventually everybody's got to rebuild. To every, all parties go through this. Mm-hmm. For example, when you know Republicans. Were you know right after the New Deal, you know here's Roosevelt hold on you know four terms. Then you know, you know Harry Truman, you know they thought they were going to be in a weird place, but lo and behold becomes Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. So actually, it is rare for a political party in the modern era to hold office more than two terms. Mm-hmm. You know two terms is the norm. Herbert Walker Bush was the outlier. If Hillary wins, which I think if you ask me today, she probably will. You know, that would be a little bit of an outlier, but usually two terms is all you get. Mm-hmm. Think of your favorite TV show, and about yeah. season seven, you're kind of... Uh, it's kind of trash by this point. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's about time. They yeah. switched their vivs at that point. I know. <laughs> <laughs> things, things are destroyed. You're like, this is not at all what I yeah. signed up for. Somebody just brought in Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch. Uh-huh. What the hell is this kid uh-huh. here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they bring so in- who's Cousin Oliver this time? <laughs> Ted Cruz. 
Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> or my personal favorite, you're bringing that little annoying child on the Cosby show. Oh, Raven. Yeah. And Bring then they, they also brought in Cousin Pam, too. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they were they were reaching. That was season eight. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah. you had to freshen it up. But good analogy. Good analogy. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so, okay, we got we got a break coming up here in a few minutes, but uh, one of the biggest, I'll go ahead and call it a flop, uh, of the past week was Governor Pence's endorsement. Now, uh, to be clear, Governor Pence pretty much endorsed all three of them. He made it extremely clear over on the other radio station that uh, he liked all three candidates. Um, he applo- uh, applauded uh, Donald Trump. And uh, Governor Case next door. Um, But he said that uh, Ted Cruz would get his vote. Now, I said last time you were here, Abdul, that I thought um, Governor Pence and Ted Cruz would align. And they did. And I said I didn't know how well that would help uh, Ted Cruz, because if people are fed up with establishment government like they have been, if they hate Mike Pence, as everyone claims they do, then people will revolt from that and go to Donald Trump. I don't know if that's the reason that things happened the way they did, but that is what happened as far as Trump endorsing Cruz, throwing out a lifeboat. Uh, um, if, did you see the uh, cartoon in the Indy Star? Oh, yeah. Throwing out the raft <laughs> well, see, but and they're see, both underwater. See, here's a, here's interesting, here's <laughs> that was a really good See, one. here's the interesting thing. Uh, like I said, once again, it depends on how you look at results and how you look at data. Did I think the governor's endorsement of Ted Cruz was really going to move the needle for Ted Cruz? Mm-mm. Not at all, because I don't believe, at the end of the day, to be honest with you, when, a politi- when one politician endorses another politician, I really don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are more likely to be influenced by what your friends and neighbors say mm-hmm. about a candidate than what, than what another candidate mm-hmm. says. Well, someone says, well, I've got the endorsement of governor, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares. But it says, but if your mom calls you, uh, by the way, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and says, hey, I really like, you know, mom, who do you like? Well, I like this person. You may actually give it a second, mm-hmm. a second thought. Number two, Mike Pence actually outperformed Ted Cruz by more than 400,000 votes. So Ted Cruz got about 406,000 votes in the main primary. Mike Pence got 813,000. So rumors actually, actually Mike Pence was the highest vote getter on the whole ballot, mm-hmm. Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. on both sides. So people must not hate him that much. Yeah, he actually outperformed, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. outperformed, uh, what should we call it, uh, Donald Trump, and actually got more votes than Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders combined. Interesting. Wow, yeah. So, like I said, you know, now granted, some people say, well, Abdul... It's a close you know, party. Well, not just a close party, but the, the number of people, there was a 20%, 26% drop-off from the total number of people who voted Republican no voter for Mike Pence. So that shows that he's vulnerable. Like, well, yeah, but there are a number of things in play. Number one, if it's an uncontested race, like John Gregg and Mike Pence, some people just won't vote. It's like, well, why'd I... Yeah, yeah. So so you got that, number one. Number two, yes, were some people probably annoyed at Mike over all the stuff? Of course they were. I mean, you can't deny that reality. But also, remember, you had Democrats switching over in mm-hmm. some places voting for Donald Trump. That doesn't necessarily mean they would vote for... A Mike Pence. So, yeah. so there are lots of reasons. But like I said, when I was going through the data this morning over Starbucks, like, hey, Mike was the highest vote getter in the state. Huh. That's interesting. Is that going to be enough? It's early. It's extremely early. And John Gregg has not come out of his cave yet, wherever this man is. Um, I suppose it's time for him to come out, although he has won the he has earned the most political dollars uh, so far. Uh, he's still under a rock somewhere. Why is that? Well, part of it is, if John, first of all, John Gregg was in an uncontested primary. 
So, sort of what would be the point mm-hmm. of trying to get in the middle of all the Marlins? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, why get, try to get in the middle of all the Marlins, Dutchman, Todd Young? Why get in the middle of all the Donald Trump? Because mm-hmm. you're just going to get crowded out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. save your money, save your resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did just put out a commercial, which I thought they, they kind of came out a little early because the primary was just over yesterday and mm-hmm. they already got a commercial. Like, why don't you wait till Monday? Give people just a maybe to be fresh on people's minds, since it's something that you know politics is something that everyone's talking about. I'm just trying to think of the rationale behind yeah. why they would have done it. I'm still trying to think of the rationale. <laughs> mm. It's like, no, well, how about just wait till after Monday, May 9th? Just give mm-hmm. people a few days. Hey, I'm yeah. John Gregg. You no, know, we just had a, you know, a tough primary, but don't forget there's a governor's race. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. I thought was a bit, bit much. Yeah, but John's on TV. Mike's unveiled television commercials. I mean, they will both have resources mm-hmm. to, to be mm-hmm. competitive, but. Once again, like I said, just looking at the primary, Mike Pence outperforms John Gregg by 229,000 votes. Mm-hmm. And in a universe where I'm a candidate, well, I'm going to come up with troubles, I'd much rather start out 229,000 ahead than behind. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're, we're still early for Mike Pence and John Gregg, but I guess if John Gregg wants to win, all he needs to do is get Ted Cruz to endorse Mike Pence. And then the governor will get 400,000 more votes than <laughs> Ted Cruz. Well, okay. Well, facts, they are the most stubborn thing. Well, we'll see. Maybe <laughs> Bernie will come back. He'll come back, and then I don't know. We'll see what happens. It, it, I haven't even wrapped my head around all these things because no one thought these things would even exist at this time. But I think it's pretty clear that Bernie Sanders will not exist. As a presidential candidate, much longer. Nope. Because happens when you want to take people's hard-earned money and give it away for free stuff. Well, he's wasting uh, his own money, too. Wasting his own money and resources. I know there are some people who have voted for, for Bernie, but I don't know. Is that a waste of a vote? We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, let's hit a break. Uh, we'll come back, and we'll even play a little bit of a Bernie Sanders interview that I got this week. Because it's not every day that the winner of your primary uh, gives you a phone call. It was on election day, so we'll play that on the other side of the break right now. Let's go pay some bills. This is Hot 963. I'm Cameron Riddle on the final edition of Indie Speaks. Yo, what's up? It's your man, Ann Paris, and you checking out my good friend Cameron Riddle right here on Hot 96.3 at the new show for the community, Indie Speaks. Holla! And we're back live on Indie Speaks here in the Hot 963 studio. I've got Ebony Chappelle from the Indianapolis Reporter and the man from Indie Politics, man of all things Hoosier politics, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, as we recap this past week in politics. And what an interesting week it has been on Tuesday. I had the opportunity to talk for a few minutes with Bernie Sanders. We talked the day of the primary that he ended up winning the state of Indiana. Uh, I want to play just a few minutes of that interview, and then we're going to get into a little uh, Bernie Sanders debate, because I know there are a lot of people out there who are passionate. What's there to debate? There, to oh, those, there are so many things take, to debate, because take those I... Who, take those of us who work, take our hard-earned money. I don't think so. I have been in many midnight debates, even when I don't want to be, with people that I live with who are obsessed. Not just like, but obsessed 
with Bernie Sanders. We have diagnosed this as an obsession. People who are upset about the delegates that Bernie Sanders, he wins the states, and then Hillary Clinton winds up with more delegates. Then they go put some aloe vera on that burn. <laughs> oh, he's feeling the burn. Oh, that he, was cute. <laughs> he's feeling the burn, and you're right. They are a little sour about it. But let me play uh, just a moment or two of my conversation with Bernie Sanders on Tuesday. This was before the polls closed, but nevertheless, it is an interview with Bernie Sanders. Hi, this is Senator Bernie Sanders. Hi, Senator. Good morning. This is Cameron Riddle from Indianapolis. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I just wanted to get uh, a chance to talk to you ahead of this evening's election and uh, get your thoughts going into tonight. Um, A lot of polls are favoring uh, Secretary Clinton, but uh, with the knowledge that I have of our state, you've been going around to all of our college towns, Notre Dame, Purdue, uh, Bloomington for IU. You didn't make it over to Muncie to my school at Ball State. Uh, <laughs> well, next time we'll get to Muncie. Okay, I've got a roommate who's very upset that you didn't make it out this way. Uh, that said, you are tonight still fighting. Oh, first of all, the polls have closed. I think last poll that I saw, Secretary Clinton, four points ahead of us, which is in the margin of error. Last night, right here in downtown Indianapolis, uh, we had close to 8,000 people out at a beautiful, beautiful rally. Uh, and I think, Cameron, the message that we are delivering uh, to the people of Indiana that is that there is something crazy uh, when ordinary people are working longer hours for low wages and almost all new income and wealth is going to the top 1%. That it is absurd here in Indianapolis, for example, that United Technology Corporation is moving to Mexico throwing 2,100 workers in Indiana out on the street so they can pay people in Mexico three bucks an hour. Uh, That is not good policy for the American worker. That is why the American middle class is disappearing. And when we talk on college campuses, we make the point that also it's a little bit crazy that our kids are graduating school $30,000, $70,000 in debt, debt that they have to pay off for decades in some cases, which is why I believe we should make public colleges and universities tuition-free, and ultimately, the need to tell the wealthiest people in this country and the largest corporations are doing really, really well, they are going to have to start paying their fair share of taxes. Well, you've captured the attention of a lot of young people across the nation and definitely here in the state of Indiana. That said, Hillary Clinton is... And is relatively closer. She's within two, three hundred away from that magic number you need. But that does not appear to be stopping you nor supporters um, from continuing to push to make it to that nomination number. No, Cameron, the facts are that as of today, um, we have 45 percent of the pledge votes. Hillary Clinton has about 55 percent. There are 10 more states yet to vote, including Indiana today. Uh, We think we have a shot to make 50% of the pledged delegates. Where Secretary Clinton is strong is she has 93% of the so-called superdelegates. Those are the establishment people, the big money people. Uh, And we have got to make the case to those people who were in a sense elected by nobody that if the Democrats want to defeat Donald Trump, Look at every one of the last dozen polls that have appeared, and Bernie Sanders does a lot better against Trump than does Hillary Clinton. So that's the case of the argument that we're making, and we are going to continue this fight uh, through California, because I think every citizen in every state has the right to cast the vote. 
to determine who he or she wants to see as president of the United States. You were out in Indianapolis on Friday at the uh, Carrier Workers Rally. I was there on the uh, south lawn of the State House. Uh, I understand you've been working with them today. Donald Trump has been extremely vocal for the past several months about Carrier and his plans, but that has not stopped the Carrier Workers from endorsing you as the candidate they would like to see in the White House and also on their side fighting for them in this uh, saga. No, that's exactly right. In fact, I just came back from breakfast. Uh, with uh, Chuck Jones, who is the president of United Steelworkers Local uh, 1999. Uh, and what I have pledged to the workers uh, at Carrier is that we are going to continue the fight to make sure that United Technologies does not shut down these plants uh, here in Indiana. Look, a couple of years ago, if you can believe this, United Technology gave a severance package to a CEO they got rid of the CEO, and they gave him a severance package. you know what the amount of money they paid this guy? They paid him $171 million, including a $31 million pension uh, plan. Uh, and meanwhile, they now, they're making good profits. Uh, these companies here in Indiana are profitable companies. The workers are doing good work. Nobody denies that. But what they are saying is we don't want to pay workers in Indiana a living wage because we want to move to Monterey, Mexico, and pay the people there three bucks an hour. Now, this is happening not just in Indiana. This type of corporate behavior is taking place all over America. It is one of the reasons that the middle class of this country is disappearing. And if elected president, trust me, we will change those trade policies. You've got a long night ahead of you. I know you are um, going to be up watching as we are late into the hours. We think it'll be pretty close on the Democratic side here in the Hoosier State. Um, with that said, you've got a lot of momentum, it sounds like, going right now amongst the younger voters. However, last week you announced some downsizing in your campaign. If you win in Indiana tonight, will there be a change in the campaign strategy for things to ramp back up? We are downsizing because we have gone through 80% of the state. You know, we have had up to, I think, a 1,000 staff when we're fighting in, you know, dozens and dozens of states. Right now, including Indiana, we have 10 states left. Uh, so the truth is we just don't need that larger state. If we win the nomination, every person that we have to lay off will be rehired because we're into a national campaign, a general election. We're going to need a lot more staff. But right now, we're focusing our resources uh, into Indiana today. We have a strong staff here. Uh, and then coming up, we got nine more states, uh, most significantly California, which is the largest state in our country, of course, more delegates than any other state. And we think we got a shot to win there, and we're going to do everything we can to win California. All right. And if you win the nomination, uh, does Secretary of State Hillary Clinton have a place in your administration and vice versa? If offered, would you take a position with her administration? Well, I think it's a little bit early to be talking about that. I know she's working hard to win. I'm working hard to win. And after the nominating process is over, I have a feeling uh, we'll be sitting down and chatting. That's a little bit premature at this point. We'll leave the early casting to the Republican side of the field. <laughs> Senator Bernie Sanders, thank you so much, and good luck today here in Indiana. Okay, Cameron, thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye.
My exclusive interview with Bernie Sanders from this Tuesday, a few hours before the polls closed, and Bernie Sanders ultimately won the state. Well, he won the state because he has captivated and caught the attention of mainly a lot of young people in the state. The group of people who voted for Barack Obama is split between a lot of black folks and a lot of young folks. Black folks tend to go for Hillary Clinton. Young folks tend to go to Bernie Sanders. Uh, One of those debates is because of what it sounds like you are going to get with a president, Bernie Sanders. One of those things is increased wages that both candidates say they're going to get. But um, first and foremost, Bernie Sanders says he is all for uh, the fight for 15 to get minimum wage workers uh, seeing no more than $15 an hour in their pockets from their jobs. That is a debate and a debate we're having right now in the studio this morning. Uh, Ebony and Abdul. $15 for minimum wage or no? Yes. <laughs> no. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I was listening to an interview the other day. Um, I believe uh, Congressman Carson was over, or, you know, around the corner at 1310 with Mike Jones, and they were discussing this. And I am um, definitely a supporter of the fight for 15. Now, what I will say is that minimum wage most definitely needs to be raised, and I think that it should be consistent with what the... Um, the cost of living is in a particular city. So Indiana's minimum wage definitely needs to be raised. I'm I'm for it and I support it as someone who actually worked for minimum wage and worked in some of these jobs, you know, doing food service, retail, um, whatever it was that I could, you know, get my hands on and do. So I know what that life is like. So when people are like, well, how dare you ask for, you know, this amount of money? And all you do is, you know, make sandwiches all day or whatever it is you do. And it's like, you know what, that I think when you get down to it, no matter what it is that you're doing for a living, if you're spending the majority of your day outside of your home or, you know, whatever, if you spend the majority of your day at someone's job working, I feel like you should be able to support yourself and a family on that one job. I don't believe that people should be having to work three and four jobs just to make the basics not to if you if you want to ball out then by all means get another job I've been there too working two jobs because I want to be able to do some other things for myself but when it just comes to the basics having somewhere to live that's safe being able to buy food for your family afford health care you know cover your bases I think that one job should be able to do that I don't think that we should be arguing over whether or not that's the case. I don't even see the argument there. Duel on the flip side. Oh, where do, where, where, where do I begin? Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to think the last time I made minimum wage. I think it was college in 1992. Mm-hmm. I worked in the school's computer lab because I needed a place to do my homework. Mm-hmm. And I also worked at school, student television station because I got getting my broadcasting degree. Mm-hmm. That was the last time I made minimum wage. And like I said, no, this damn near you know, 24, 25 years ago. But the thing is is that people forget, number one, minimum wage was never designed for you to raise a family. No, I think we can have a fair discussion about whether the minimum wage should be indexed to inflation. We can have that discussion. But also mm-hmm. the flip side of that is when we have deflation, that means the minimum wage goes down. Mm-hmm. When the cost of living goes down, if we're going to tie minimum wage and, and back and forth. But number two, with, with, with all due respect, and I, and I do believe at the end of the day, you know, all work is you know, honest work, decent work, good work, so let's take care of that. However, if you're coming to me as an employer to tell me that you want $15 an hour for unskilled, low-wage, menial labor, I'm going to tell you to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. 
because in a free market system, it is the, the wage is what a willing uh, employer and a willing employee are willing to negotiate. Now, some people will say, well, the employer has all the power. Not necessarily. You will rarely find people making minimum wage in downtown Indianapolis because of how vibrant downtown is and how competitive the job market is. Most employers will pay more than minimum wage. Matter of fact, data shows that in Indiana, six, only 6.1% of the population makes minimum wage. And I, maybe just because I'm a snob, and I don't know any of those 6.1% people. Spoke to my nieces and nephews, my wife's nieces and nephews. None of those guys make minimum wage. Mm-hmm. It's easily, my niece that works at Mike's New Car Wash, 10 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. Some work at like the Texas Roadhouse mm-hmm. type places. They're in the nine, Subway, nine bucks an hour because they want quality people. What we what happened is, for the longest time, it was an employer's market. Because when people out of work, employers don't have to pay as much. It's simple, what Bernie Sanders doesn't understand, simple supply and demand. Well, <laughs> guess what? It's starting to shift again. And there's actually a demand you know, for workers and for skilled labor. So guess what? The wages start to catch up again. This is this is pretty simple math. But if you've got if you had a family and children and your job is minimum wage and you're not in transition, I'm sorry, but the problem is you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, look, I am right in the middle on this debate because I have worked a minimum wage job. It was my first job at Chuck E. Cheese. And dear God, bless all people <laughs> who work at Chuck E. Cheese because I've heard horror stories. I'm glad I never experienced that. Did you wear a radiation one. suit? I should have. I did wear. I did wear the uh, Chucky suit several times. Um, did you get kicked? No. Um, but I just just make sure they steam cleaned that thing. It, they did not. That Ew. was the worst part. There was this guy. I can't remember his name, but he would just sweat profusely, and that thing was just gross. And I was like, I want to go home after getting this. Thankfully, they ended up buying two suits. I was like, which one did he got get out of? Because I'm not touching it. <laughs> but anyway, bless those people. Somebody has to clean up after you people after your parties, and it's not pretty. Uh, anyway, at that job, I made seven twenty five. I was in high school when I did that job. Mm-hmm. When I left, I went to college, and I got a university job. I worked at the TV station. I was at the news anchor. I don't remember what my hourly wage was, but I don't believe it was seven twenty five. Then I started here at Radio One, and... Um, I started in the, in the promotions department, and I made like eight bucks an hour. Not seven twenty-five, not a whole lot of money, but not minimum wage. Haven't been back down that low ever since. So I get the um, the feeling of how hard you work, and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what your job is if you are giving all of your time to that employer. You should not, when you go home, feel like you should be struggling. On the flip side, there are jobs um, that college graduates are going to get. Um, full time with benefits that are not much higher than um, the fifteen dollar wage. So, or sometimes a little bit lower than the fifteen you know dollar wage. That's what happens when you get a degree in art history and live in Goshen, Indiana. Well, well, <laughs> well, going to or broadcasting as well. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe you should have exactly. thought about that. Yeah. At, at, at any rate, these people, no matter what, have a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an extra skill. I, uh, in my other role as a school bus driver, um, make $16.47 an hour. I have an extra skill. I have a license. I am certified to do something. Mm-hmm. Is that job, should I be making the same then as a worker from McDonald's who's making $15 an hour with no skill or certification? Now, I'm not saying that they aren't worthy of their $15, but if they're worthy of $15 with no skill, am I worthy of 
more than $16 with well, skill. Well, I think it goes back to the key word being skill. Sometimes I feel as if people um, automatically lump food service into, you know, food service or other, you know, what you, to use Abdul's word, menial labor as unskilled work. Mm-hmm. And if you've done that, you know that there is definitely some skill involved. It may not be, you know, to the level of someone that has a CDO mm-hmm. or has some sort of uh, technological license to do computers or whatever you, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, to be able to manage teams of people, I almost feel like they should bring some certification with that. You do have to get um, food service certification, serve safe, all that different stuff. So there is some, depending on what it is that you do, some certification involved. Well, let me but, get you to hold that yeah. thought for a second. Let me go to the phones. We got a caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Yes, Shamika. Shamika, good morning. What's on your mind? My mind is telling me I don't agree with that man because I don't work at no fair true and I don't make minimum wage. But I would like for my kids to be brought up in a certain area and I don't have no skill I have to do work in a health care field and I work in a high demand and I don't get paid as much as I would like and it's a struggle with a car, kids. And having them do things, money is uh, is needed. You know what I'm saying? So when money is needed to take care of everything to make the world go round, we need to get paid more. And it's not about the certification or having skills. It's about common sense because if you're not going to live in a certain area or bring your kids up in a certain area, uh, why would you expect for the next person to settle for less? Because it's about respect and it's about common sense because... I'm making it by the grace of God, and I'm proud to say that, but if I get paid more, I would be great, but I'm maintaining, and it's more to just maintain it because you don't want to sit your kids in the house every day not doing nothing. When you want cable, that costs. When you want water, that costs. Everything costs. So since everything costs, pay me more because I'm not living for free. And when I get up and come to your employment, that's not for free. So respect me and what I'm able to do and compromise. So it's just a respect thing. If you're not going to settle for nothing, because people say, well, I'm just going to have this job just so I can take care of my kids. At the same time, once you pay daycare, gas, and other things, you're back down to zero. So now you're twiddling your finger on how or what are you going to make it then with the food steps since as soon as you make a little bit of something, they take you off of assistance. So where is the help that you want me to do so much, but at the same time, help me help myself. All right, Shamika, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Um, I think she brings up some very interesting points as to what um, life is like not having enough to make ends meet. And at the same time, you know, it's just it's it's the nature of the beast when you really get down to it. Like we I don't know that we're ever going to get to the place in this country where we have it where nobody is, you know, beneath a certain level. I don't think we'll see that I in believe, this country. Um, but. I believe, I'm Islamic here, but allow me to quote a uh, very famous person in Christian theology, the poor will always be with you. Hmm. I believe that's what yeah. he said. Number two, with all due respect to the, to the lady who called, is there anybody making her get up in the morning, putting a gun to her head to make her work at that particular job? If you do not feel your job is respecting you or paying you what is worth, then you go find a place where you feel you can get what you are worth. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And that, that that's my thing with the skill. I feel like you earn. It's not hard. You don't have to go to college. 
But if you have some kind of certification or some kind of license, if you have done something to put your step, you give yourself something extra to put yourself above the rest. Mm hmm. I think that's when you earn. You can get by right now on sixteen, fifteen dollars an hour, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take much to get there. Just one extra skill, and there are so many jobs that you can do that will get you there. And here's something else: the easiest way to give yourself a raise, not to get all Dave Ramsey here, pay off your debt. This is true. You know, and I am definitely going to agree with you on that point about the paying off the debt and also seeking extra skills. There are some really great programs that are in our community right now that are trying to build that um, that gap to have more skilled workers because we're having more and more of those type of jobs come to the state. So we need people to fill them. But at the same time, I don't think that we should neglect those people that are, you know. When Carrier goes away, Salesforce shows up. Hmm. Uh, Mike Pence talking points from Abdul, possibly there. <laughs> I, I got the data right here. Yeah. And you got some other numbers, my brother. Break it on. Like my grandfather yeah. in the barbershop with Almanac, waiting for somebody to make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little Richard Pryor bit for those of you who may not be familiar with. It's a little bit before our time. I love Richard Pryor, but I didn't know about that one. Yeah. No, I know I know a lot of a lot just, of just uh, do, a, do a YouTube clip. Richard Pryor, grandfather Almanac. One of my favorites is Richard Pryor about the lion at the zoo. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to take oh, a quick goodness. break and uh, pay a few bills. We've got some more callers on the line. Stay there. We'll get to you on the other side of this break. Uh, this is Indy Speaks. I'm Cameron Rodel with Abdul Kim Shabazz and Ebony Chappelle. We'll be right back. And let your voice be heard by dialing in and calling 239-9696. Now back to Indie Speaks, Your Life Matters with Cameron Rick. This is Congressman Andre Carson, and you're listening to Indie Speaks with my man Cameron Riddle on Hot 96. And we are back on Indie Speaks. Good morning to you, Indianapolis. And happy Mother's Day to my mom and all of the mothers and grandmothers listening to us this morning. It is your day, and we appreciate you. Happy Mother's Day 2016. Back and remember, it's a, and remember, it's a mother. It's not a baby's mom. Listen, they need oh, to be boy. celebrated, too. Fantasia has a song. It was a horrible song, but listen, if you gave birth to a child or you raised a child, you need to be celebrated on this day. Why should we celebrate you for doing your job? Oh, goodness. Oh, Here we go. That's another argument for another day. And now you're going to have the moms calling in going on. I'm not going to have this debate. <laughs> no, no, not Mother's today. No, not today. Uh, happy Mother's Day 2016 in the studio with Ebony Chappelle <laughs> and Abdul Hakeem Shabazz, um, who's going to be getting a call from his mother uh, very soon. Um <laughs> Uh, As we close out here in the last five minutes, by the way, for those of you who don't know, this is the last edition of Indie Speaks. I have another opportunity in another state. I will be moving to Michigan um, where I will be a reporter and a fill-in anchor at the CBS station there in Saginaw and Flint. Uh, Hold your water donations. I'm going to live on the Saginaw side, so no water bottles will be needed. Um, But I will certainly miss everyone. Um, Brandon, Ebony, Abdul, thank you always for coming in and helping out to be uh, part of the show and so many others but uh, this show in some capacity will continue and hopefully uh, some familiar 
familiar voices and faces will be a part of that. But uh, thank you, everyone who wakes up. It's all you, you never know until you leave that people are like, oh, yeah, I listen to your show every Sunday. You do? Yeah, you talked about this last week. Oh, OK. So to all six of you who are out there who are listening, uh, thank you very much. Finally, as we close out the show here uh, in the last four minutes now, uh, what's November looking like? Uh, if you were to ask me today, and remember in politics, a day is a lifetime. Ask me tomorrow, I might give you a totally different answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hillary Clinton wins the presidency uh, because I don't see Republicans coalescing around Donald Trump. A lot of people are leaving. Third parties get a lot more interest. Uh, there was a poll out today showing Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump statistically tied in Georgia, which has not voted for a Democrat, I want to say, since 1976. Wow. I think it was. So. And the, the challenge for Donald Trump is what, what made you so popular you know, was that sort of in-your-face bravado that worked maybe mm-hmm. well for a primary, but may not or work so well. Or reality television. Yeah, but may not work so well with a general audience. And so the trick is, you know, how do you pivot and try to appeal to a broader general audience, but at the same time keeping whatever it was that made you, you know, what you were. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, if you're asking me today, Hillary's president, ask me tomorrow, probably give you a different answer. Ebony, what about you? This is another historic moment in Indy Speaks history. Ebony is going to agree with Abdul. So. <laughs> On your last show, we played Yes. Yeah. Abdul, would you like a round of applause for that? This show says she's always said there's a young, bright, intelligent young lady. So there you go. That's well, I appreciate that. You know, that's a lot coming from Abdul <laughs> because he's quick to let people know if they're stupid. <laughs> like he holds no punches when it comes to letting people know if they're stupid. So I appreciate that a lot. And I, you know. That's good. But I agree with him most definitely that that's what we're going to see. Um, When you were speaking about Donald Trump and trying to appeal to a general audience, I feel like he kind of tiptoed into that territory Tuesday with his speech. People were like, oh, he finally sounds so presidential. He sounds so I was like, because he didn't insult anybody this time. I mean, he went to speech without insulting entire huge groups of people. So I was like, okay, if that's what it takes, then so be it, you know, whatever. But I think that's what we're going to see. Uh, I had someone question uh, Hillary Clinton about will she be going to jail? What do you think? No. <laughs> I've said as long as uh, there are uh, her friends are running that that part of the government, why would that ever happen? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Just move on. Most Americans think Benghazi's a Japanese restaurant anyway. Stop. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. Oh boy! Uh, okay, uh, I know I've got a uh, a um, column due here in the Indianapolis Recorder very soon. So, uh, Victoria, that is coming. Coming uh, while we wrap up, I'll play the music. But well, we got ninety seconds. Ebony, what's coming up in the record? So next week, you just talked about uh, Trump. Thanks for the intro music, <laughs> but you just talked about Trump. Um, Kelly Patrick Sloan has a really excellent story that she's working on about the Trump effect. So. If you're not familiar with what it is, go ahead and look it up. But um, there are children, school-aged children, that are fearful for their future. Like, my life is over Mm -hmm. if he becomes president. So, you know, she's going to delve into that. So that's something really exciting coming up in the paper. Abdul, 30 seconds. What you got cooking? Actually, this week, uh, with all the talk about crime in Indianapolis and the community policing, we're going to revisit the curfew issue Mm. and ask Mm -hmm. the question, why does Indianapolis City Ordinance allow a 15-year-old to run around the street at night at 1 o'clock in the morning? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I was, what good can possibly come of that? Nothing <laughs> comes good. And you know what? I was driving. I was out. I was working the other night at about 2 in the morning. Uh, I was actually in Muncie, and I saw three teenagers walking down the street. And I was like, hmm, 
Wonder what you guys are doing and where are your parents? Or, I'm sorry, parent. Goodness, Abdul. Goodness. He is uh, throwing fire this morning. But Abdul at IndiePolitics.org. And by the way, please spell it properly. That is going to do it for this final edition of Indy Speaks with Cameron Riddle. I am Cameron Riddle. Ebony, thank you so much. Abdul, course, thank you so much. Yeah. And to my man. producer, Brandon Walker, thank you for all that you have done. And congratulations to all of the graduating class of 2016. Thank you so much for listening every weekday, weekend morning to Indy Speaks. I'm Cameron Riddle, Indianapolis. Have a great day.